Well, amen, amen. How many of you all know that it's true that my worship is for real? Amen. Listen, I, I know. Let me see if we can just get just a little bit going in here. Um, for our virtual worshipers, we're aware of the difficulties we experienced it even here. Uh, trust me, next week we'll be uh, we'll have it fixed, but we can't let that uh, force us to neglect our opportunity to worship together. So if we can't just, you know, they're, they're, they just saying something very simple there. They just said, say hallelujah. Come on, say with me. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. My worship is for real. Say you're so worthy. Say you're so worthy. You're so worthy. My worship is for real. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. My worship is for real. Say thank you, Jesus. Say thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. My worship is for real. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. My worship is for real. Thank you, God. That is truly our praise that we are thankful to you um, and that in this season that we currently live in, our worship definitely has to be real. For God, we have no other options. We have no other hope but you. And God, we need you in these times, Lord, to give to us that which we lack. And God, there are so many of us who are lacking so much. We are lacking connection. We are lacking, um, lacking, um, God, the resources that we need for hopeful and hope-filled living, God. We are lacking family, God. We are lacking so much. And it seems, Lord, as though the enemy is doing an amazing job of stripping us of the things that bring us hope and joy. And so, God, we have nothing else, Lord, but you. And so take, Lord, this worship that we have, Lord, however fragmented it may be at times, God, and use it for your glory. Give to us, Lord, that which we lack, that which we need so that we can find ourselves once more connected to you. And I thank you, Jesus, for the things that I know that you are going to do, for the work that you are going to do, that you are yet to do, for the moving, Lord, that's going to transpire and happen, Lord, Lord, in this place, in this world, in this city, in this community, for God, we believe that you can. We know that we can, that you can. And we want to honor you, Lord, with all that we have. So take every hallelujah, take every thank you, take every praise, God. And know, Lord, that it comes from a place, Lord, of hunger and thirst for you. That our desire ultimately is to be more like you. So use this, Jesus, for your time. Now, God, for this moment of preaching, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, God, I pray that it will be acceptable in your sight. We love you, Lord, and we give you thanks. And it's in your name we do humbly pray. Let every heart say amen. Amen. amen.
Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for humoring me uh, with this voice. Uh, I, I don't mind uh, not really being able to sing. For the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It didn't say make a pretty noise, because if it did, I wouldn't sing at all. Uh, but I don't mind using whatever I've got to praise our God. Amen. Listen, before we dive into our word today, I want to let you all know about a new series that we're going to start in a couple of weeks. We are making our way to that glorious day in which we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, the day in which he uh, rose and defeated death, hell, and the grave. Uh, we call it Easter or Resurrection Sunday. It's coming uh, in, uh, in the first Sunday of April. And, uh, and I want to share with you uh, from a series that I think will help you to better understand the story behind it. Now, we know the what's called the meta-narrative, the greater story of why Jesus came and why he died. But there are some very real things that happened on earth that made both the Pharisees, the priests, and those want to actually kill Jesus. And so we're going to deal with kind of the revolutionary Jesus that made them regularly want to kill him. And uh, we're going to be sharing from a series that we're calling Jesus Unfiltered. Jesus Unfiltered. This, this Pollyanna uh, hippie Jesus never existed. Uh, because if he did, you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't lynch someone who makes you feel good about yourself. And uh, but there are some very real revolutionary things about Jesus and how he lived uh, on the world or on the on the planet that forced them to hate him so terribly that they wanted him dead. And so we're going to unpack some of the things uh, and it's going to be inspiring. Trust me uh, to know just uh, how strong our our savior stood and spoke truth to power. And so Jesus unfiltered. We'll start that on March 14th. And I look forward to sharing that with you uh, as we lead and make our way up to Easter Sunday. Speaking of Easter, um, we know that we won't be able to gather in masses uh, during this uh, season still yet. Uh, but what we're going to do, if you remember church anniversary last year, we gathered out in our field and we did a praise in the parking lot. And so uh, so we're going to do another one of those events on Easter Sunday. Lord willing and the weather holds back. We're going to pack out the field and um, have another praise in the parking lot. We're going to switch it up this time. Last time uh, we ask that you stay in your cars. I think that it will be safe enough if, if we act like decent chocolate folk, de decent black folk, and, uh, and we just remain socially distanced in our seats outside. It will be a BYOC event. Bring your own chairs, but let's sit out in the field and have worship in the parking lot. Uh, but let's make sure that we still remain socially distanced uh, with the case. And that's just if the weather permits, which, of course, we'll keep you updated uh, for that. So just keep that in mind. We'll be sharing, of course, more and more uh, as the weeks uh, progress about that event. And then lastly, because Deacon Frazier is going to stare me down if I don't share it, I was going to share it at the end, but I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, deacons and trustees, don't forget that we've got our meeting uh, this Saturday at 10 a.m. We're going to meet virtually, and so I'll send you the information about that soon. We good, Deacon Frazier? Amen. Amen. All right, all right. He was going to hunt me down if I didn't get that information out. So I didn't want that smoke, so I figured I'd go ahead and get it on out of the way. All right, well, listen, I'd like to share with you today from uh, our series, Finding Your Spark, from the subject, It's Not Too Late. It's not too late. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? or fester like a sore and then run? 
Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load or does it just explode? Those beautiful words are from the marvelous pen of the great Harlem Renaissance poet Langston Hughes. In that poem, uh, Hughes poses the question that many of us have asked throughout our lives regarding what happens to you and how do you handle things when life doesn't pan out the way that you planned or that you dreamed that it would. And all of us, brothers and sisters, are equipped with dreams, right? Many of us are driven by those very dreams, and there are some of us who have been damaged by the denial or the delay, wait a minute, maybe like Hugh says, or the deferring of those dreams. In our story that we've been drawing inspiration from, from the movie Disney's Soul, the likely character that we would think about who is living with a deferred dream would be the primary character by the name of Joe Gardner the aspiring jazz pianist. But today, for our subject, I don't want to use Joe's story. I'd like to use Joe's co-conspirator, his partner in crime, the soul named 22. Now, I don't know if I share it with you about how 22 got her name, but let me share it with you, and maybe it'll make sense to you why I chose my title for today, that it's not too late. 22 is a soul, and so she's yet, the way that the story goes, remember this is, this is pretend, this is not reality, she is a new soul who's yet to occupy a body on the planet. And so what it does then is it gives them not a name, but a number according to their creation. So 22 is literally the 22nd soul to ever be created in time. She's the 22nd soul. But to show you how the story goes, as Joe is there and he meets 22, the soul that they are currently on, that 22 is still there along with, they are currently on soul 108,210,121,415. She's the 22nd soul ever created. But the latest soul that they're sending to the planet is soul 108,210,121,415. That's a whole, whole, whole lot of souls. To keep in mind, listen, there are only roughly a little bit more than 6 billion people on the planet right now today. That means that 22 basically has been waiting to occupy a body to come and live life since the dawn of time, she's been in the great before, trying and failing to make her interest into life's existence from then until the present. I use the word fail because she's failed to do so intentionally because a soul in the story cannot occupy the earth or a life until they pass certain, not necessarily tests, but they find their spark of inspiration and that gives them their badge as a tool to enter into the planet. And so for the thousands of years, 
that she's been there waiting to occupy a body. She's yet to do so. And then there are a number of things. I mentioned last week that there's this hall that's called the great, uh, the hall of everything, where you go and you find inspiration. There is the hall of you where mentors will go, hoping that the souls will draw inspiration from her. And 22, man, she's had some great mentors in this. She had the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali, and he couldn't do nothing with them. He had the most holiest one, the Mother Teresa, and she couldn't do nothing with them. She had great uh, mentors, and all these people came together, couldn't help her to find her spark, and to the point where it was like a failed existence. They didn't think that they could do anything with her. Well, what do you do when you find yourself in a position similar to 22? What do you do when time has passed you by? What do you do when it seems like even people have given up on you? That's the question that we've been kind of dealing with and wrestling with for this series. We've been asking ourselves the questions to what do you do when you have been waiting for God to do something in your life? And it seems as though time is just passing you by. When you sit by and watch everyone else walk into their season and yet yours is yet to come. What do you do when you've been waiting to find that spark, to find that moment of inspiration, find that thing that God promised you? But it seems like the longer that you wait, the more that time is pulling away. And now you look up that you're not the woman, you're not the man that you used to be, and you're wondering if it is too late for you. In this season, what we're doing is we're working to answer the question, if this is a reality then it has paralyzed so many of us and not allowed us to move forward in our lives we think that we can't any longer we think that time has passed that perhaps god has given up that there is no way that we are going to make it and so what we've been studying then is a couple of things in this series we've been studying and trying to learn what is god's will And what we understand is that God's will is not some hidden pathway that God keeps from us like a spiritual game of hide and seek, hoping that if we meet the right moment with the right behavior, then perhaps we'll find God's will. We discover that's not God's will at all, that in order to find God's will, basically all you've got to do, my brothers and sisters, is passionately pursue him. And when you do so, by very nature as a byproduct, you are in the will of God. We also discovered that not only is the will of God not a hidden pathway, but also there There is no hidden purpose in your life and existence. That what you do, that who you are does not give you purpose. No, what you do doesn't give you purpose. You give purpose to what you do. Nothing and nobody makes you, nothing or nobody gives you purpose. If you are in a relationship, that relationship doesn't give you purpose. If you work a job, that job doesn't give you purpose. No, you give the relationship purpose. You give the job purpose. You are purposeful by design because you were created in the image of God. And today, here's what I want you to know. That yes, we may have interpreted his will, and yes, we may even misdirect our energies trying to discover our purpose. But I don't want you to get that get down about that. Because perhaps over the last couple of weeks, as we've been unpacking this, you may feel like in an effort to meet these things that you've missed your moment. But what I want to show you through our scripture today is this: that if you are still willing, God is still able, and it's not too late. If you are still willing, God is still able, and it's not too late. Do you have your Bibles, or if you have your app, go ahead and crack it open to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. And we're going to find inspiration from a great, great man of God. 
who lets us know that it's not too late. Joshua chapter 14, beginning at verse 6. We'll go through verse 14 there. Reading from the New International Version. Uh, it'll also be available for you on the screens. This is what you'll find. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time. And he said to Moses, while in Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and that and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh. And said to him and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. If you're still willing, God is still able. And we'll see this prevalent in the life of Caleb. So let's let's dive into his story and see what we can glean from him. One of the first things I think that we can glean from Caleb when you're talking about life and it's not being too late is this, is that you must remain consistent. You must remain consistent. Now, the story, check this out. We haven't seen or heard much from Caleb up until this point. He hasn't got much press as the Israelites have progressed through the wilderness since actually being one of the original spies who went to explore the promised land. As a fact, this is exactly what Caleb is mentioning here in the text. He's reminding Joshua of what took place 45 years ago. He's reminding him, 45 years ago, man, I've been on this journey. I've been doing this. And he's referencing it to his friend and now leader, Joshua. And there's been much then that has transpired since Caleb first occupied the land. Moses has died and Joshua has now succeeded him. Not only has Moses died, but an entire generation of Hebrews have passed on as well. The walls of Jericho have fallen down. They've walked through the waters of the Jordan River as God helped them back. And they now have assumed ownership of the promise. And the land is now being divided up amongst the tribe. Can you imagine that now? It's been 45 years for Caleb. And now as an 85-year-old man... Reflecting on the last 45 years, Caleb is finally ready to claim what God promised to him 45 years ago. Caleb's been courageously fighting behind Joshua. He sits back now and watches as many who may not have even been born, 
when he first went to spy out the land, have now began to take ownership and benefited from the fruit of his labor. Seeing that Caleb determines in his mind and his heart that now it's time for him to take ownership of his own promise. But note for me, if you will, Caleb's demeanor, demeanor as he walked into the building. I can imagine that Joshua was seated in a place of authority. Caleb walks in with his crew, with his tribe, his family, because not only now was Caleb this old man, this legendary warrior and fighter, this courageous hero of the Hebrew people. He now comes in as a father, a grandfather, the leader of his own tribe. He walks into this tribe, an accomplished man standing before his friend and now leader, established. He's come now, not necessarily weary, but strong and determined because he's seen some things in his life. He recognizes that he's come a long journey. He's coming now with the fruit, the evidence of what God has done. Because what Caleb has known is that he's experienced some things in the consistency of his life in this world that many of the people that he's paved the way for know nothing about. These people that he's, that he's worked for, these now young families who are entering into this promise, they know nothing about some of the things that Caleb knows about. They weren't there as Caleb was, Bishop, when, when God put the ten plagues on Egypt, but Caleb was there. Caleb remembers that story. They weren't there when God allowed the death angel to come down and to take the firstborn son of the Egyptians as the Hebrew people painted their doors with the lamb's blood and spent the evening in prayer and supplication before the Lord as the death angel passed over them. As they celebrate Passover, Caleb is able to reflect, you are celebrating it as a festival. I lived it as a reality. They don't know his story. They weren't there when God allowed the Red Sea to be parted and they walked across on dry land. They weren't there when God allowed the waters then to crash over on Pharaoh and all of his compadres. They weren't there as they went through the wilderness for the 40 years. They weren't there as God allowed the manna to fall from heaven and the quail to fall from heaven. They weren't there when God made water come out of a rock. There are a lot of things that these young people who are now coming in, occupying this promise, they know nothing about it. They don't have a reference point about the goodness and the power of God that Caleb has. Caleb is able to now stand before Joshua knowing that I am here today, not by my own volition, not by my own strength. I am here today because the Lord for the last 45 years has kept me. And because I have experienced and I've seen and gone through what God has allowed me to go through, I can remain consistent knowing that God's going to show up for me somehow in some way. That's an encouraging point, my brothers and sisters. If you have been waiting for God to do something for you. You've been waiting for God to open the door. What we learn from Caleb is your consistency is necessary, not only for yourself, because check this out, had Caleb not been consistent, the young families today would not be able to enter the promise. I'm talking to somebody today, you think that God's forgotten about you, you think that God has given up on you. Here's what I want to let you know based upon the testimony of Caleb. If you have yet to walk into the season that you know that God has promised to you, it may not be that God has given up on you. Perhaps it is that God is still using you, that you're still at his disposal, that he still used you to display his power and his goodness, and he's going to help to other people by your testimony showing them, here's what God can do when you don't give up on God, when you remain consistent with the Lord, when you trust him in all of your ways, if you remain consistent, just look at Caleb, look at my brother, my sister, who's been walking with the Lord all these years, and watch how God opens the doors when you remain consistent in your life. 
remain consistent. Not only, that's the first thing. The second thing is this. I'm not going to hold y'all too long today. You must remain consistent, but also you must be ruled by your convictions. You must be ruled by your convictions. Listen to what Caleb says himself in verses 6 through 8. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when the Lord, the servant sent the, when Moses, the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report, check this out, according to my convictions. I was 40 years old when the Lord sent me. And I brought back a report according not to what I saw everybody else do, not according to what was popular, not according to what sounded good to people's ears. I brought back a report according to my own internal convictions. Well, what are convictions? Convictions are the things that you believe on the depth of your heart, deep down in your heart. Convictions are those things that it does not matter what happens, no matter what transpires, no matter what people think about you, is just something that you cannot move beyond. It would literally kill you to make a decision beyond your convictions. And this is what Caleb and Joshua actually displayed 45 years ago. They came back from seeing and exploring the promised, the promised land. They came back and all the 10, the other 10, aside from Joshua and Caleb, they said, man, there are giants over there. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. But Caleb and Joshua had a conviction. The Lord promised the land. And it didn't matter what they saw in the land. It didn't matter the enemies that were before him. The Lord promised. And when you know and believe the word of the Lord, it does not matter what you see ahead of you. All you know is what God said. And at some point in time in your life, what you know and believe about God has to be enough. I know what the papers say. I know what I see on the news. I know what the speculators say. I know all of them stories. I read all the articles. I get it. I understand it. But I know the Lord. And I know the Lord will show up. I know the Lord will work things out. And I don't care if you don't believe what I believe. I ain't got to believe what you believe or trust you. I trust the Lord. Let God be true and every other man alive. Believe what the Lord says. It's, 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 it's Black History Month. And if you all know me, you know that I love my people. And I was thinking about convictions versus conditions because that's the opposite of it, right? Uh, most people, many people in our world, they don't respond according to their convictions. It's according to the conditions, whatever is easiest and makes you feel comfortable. You'll make a decision based upon the conditions that will basically damage your future. So here's the thing. If you're wondering about God's will and God's purpose and all those other things, one of the things that will eliminate you, not eliminate you, maybe derail you from being where God called you to be is making decisions based upon temporary prime or temporary or, 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 or not long term conditions because you want to make sure that tomorrow is where you need it to be. You'll make a a decision based upon the conditions rather than your convictions. And so what will happen then is now because you made a decision based upon your conditions, you're going to be answering and dealing with the fruit of that five, ten years from now because you made an eternal decision based upon a temporary condition. Don't make decisions in your life based upon your conditions. Base it dependent upon your convictions. This is what, what we discover in the history of our people, and this is why I love our people so much. I was reflecting as I was thinking about conditions versus convictions. That famous story of Dr. King as that Easter Sunday as he sat in the Birmingham jail. 
And he reads an article from the eight uh, moderate priests and pastors who wrote the letter condemning Dr. King for bringing what they called outside agitators to their city. And they told Dr. King, they said, if you just be patient, things will happen. The government will take care of things. And Dr. King says, no, man, there's no way that in my easy conditions back in Atlanta can I sit back and watch injustice take place here. I came here because I recognize that the conditions aren't important, but my convictions, and my convictions tells me that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Or, or there's a great movie out right now, Judas and the Black Messiah. It's a story of the great Black Panther leader, uh, Chairman Fred Hampton, young man, 21 years old. He is faced with going to prison and dealing with some time for a trumped-up petty offense, something that he didn't even do. He's threatened to go to prison. And as he's gathered with many of the leaders there on the, in, on the west side of Chicago, and they, they collected a lump sum of money, and they said, listen, Chairman Douglas, man, just go leave. Run away. Go to Cuba. Go, go, go over to Africa. Get away so that you don't have to go to jail. Fred looks at, at the money in his hands. He thinks about what, he's, what, what they're saying, and he said, you guys are talking about me running away. We can use this very money to bring healing to our community. He gives the money to his friend, and he says, hey, open up a clinic so that our people are taken care of. That is convictions over conditions. Y'all standing with me, okay? Uh, I was talking to my wife this morning. We were talking about the story of Billie Holiday. Billy Hottity, the great blues singer, the Harlem blues singer, had a song, man, that she was famous for. It was called Strange Fruit. It's a song about lynching strange fruit hanging from southern trees. Well, what this, this new biopic talks about is talks about Billy's struggle uh, with singing the song that the federal government literally sent out a message to her and told her to stop singing this song because if she did not, they would make her life literally hell. Billy is about to go perform. She just received the notice from the federal government. Don't sing the song. Billy steps on stage, and the first song that she sings on her set was Strange Fruit Hanging from Southern Trees because Billy was determined, I'm not going to let you shut me up because this is a reality about the struggle of our people, and I will not allow my convictions to be trumped by my current traditions. Y'all still ain't with me. Okay, how about since we're talking about lynching, let me talk about Ida B. Wells, since we're talking about lynching, Ida B. Wells in the late 19th century, early 20th century, began to chronicle the lynchings of people in southern uh, southern United States and recognizing that the, the many of the charges that they said they were lynching people from were untrue. Her and a friend opened up a newspaper there in Memphis, and they ended up while she was traveling, killing three of her friends and running her business part out of time, burning down their building, and Ida B. Wells determined in her heart. I don't care how much you threaten me. I don't care how much you say that you're going to kill me. I don't care about what you're saying about me. I'm still going to do what I know to be true. And that is to spell the truth about the lies and about the injustice that's happening in the world. What we must learn from, not only from Caleb, but also from the history of our people, is that your convictions must be greater than your conditions. And so if you're looking and you're wondering if God is going to open some doors, if God is going to do some things, make sure that in the process while you wait, you do not allow your convictions to suffer for a temporary condition. You must remain consistent. You also must 
be ruled by your convictions. And then lastly, you must be refreshed by your courage. You must be refreshed by your courage. Listen to Caleb talk again. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. This 85-year-old man walks into this space saying, hey, I'm just as strong today as I was then. Not only that, check this out. He says, I don't want you just to give me something. Man, I'm ready to go take it for myself. I just need the opportunity to go. Now, this is the issue of 22 in the story. Going back to the movie Soul. When he goes to the end of the movie, what we discover from 22, is part of the reason why she was yet to occupy the earth, yet to live, is because she was afraid of living. Because she didn't think that she was good enough. And I believe, man, that's a challenge for so many people. I believe that oftentimes we make the safe, conditional response to our world is because we're fearful of what convictions. And here's what's true. What I know to be true about living is that to live by your convictions, to live by faith, it's not an easy task. It's a daunting task. Because oftentimes you find yourself isolated. Oftentimes you find yourself, people thinking that you're crazy because you decide to make a decision based upon your faith rather than your convictions. You decide to follow your convictions rather than your conditions. This is what happens in our world. We oftentimes find ourselves almost alone on an island. It's a, it's a difficult thing to do. But I, I believe about God is this. Oftentimes what God is waiting for is he's waiting for us to make the decision to join him on the journey. I, I tell you all this, I've said it a bunch of times at this point, that, uh, that every miracle has one part human and one part divinity. Uh, and if you want to know, there, there's this word that we use too, it's called the supernatural. Uh, the supernatural, that's, that's, a, that's a conjunction, it's two words put together. And here's basically supernatural, um, super, that's God, natural, that's us. In order to see the supernatural, it takes the super God, it also takes the natural us. And if you want to see God do the super, you got to make sure to be in place to be the natural. God wants partnership in this journey. God wants you to trust him in this journey. And if you want to see God do great things, you be the natural and allow God to be your super. The supernatural can't happen if you trust God. God will be there. I love this about Caleb. Caleb says, man, I, I, I can still fight. I'm just as vigorous. I'm 85, and I'm still willing to go at it. But here's what I love about his request. I love about his request, Elder Brown, is this. He says, um, give me the hill country where the Anakites are. That's, that's a wonderful request. Give me the hill country. The Anakites are there. Now, you guys may not know it because... You don't understand who the Anakites are. Uh, the Anakites are believed to have been giants. These are big people. So this 85-year-old man says, give me the mountain with the giants. I, Caleb doesn't say, hey, um, give me a condo in the corner of a cul-de-sac so I can chill and call it quits. Caleb says, give me the mountain with the giants. I don't need, I don't need the easy. 
I'm still vigorous enough. I'm still courageous enough. I'm still refreshed enough. I'll take the mountain with the giants. Give me the hills with the Anakites. Caleb says, if you give me the hill, I'll take down the giants. It doesn't matter about my age. Give me this mountain. Give me the mountain. God will give me the strength to slay my giants. And this is the message that I want to encourage somebody who's been waiting a while for. Caleb says, at 85, give me the mountain. I'll slay the giants. God will give me the same God that kept me 45 years ago. Will give me power enough, strength enough to slay the giants. The same God who was with me 45 years ago will give me what I need to take the giants down. You give me the hill, I'll take down the giants. And I think there's some people today who's been waiting for the Lord to do some things. You've been waiting for the Lord to open some doors. And you think that the mountain is too much. But I want to let you know the same God that gave you strength 5, 10, 15, 20, 45 years ago, like Caleb, is the same God that will allow you to take the mountain today. Because we all got our mountains, don't we, brothers and sisters? We all got some things that seem like they're too much for us. We have all got our mountains, but we also all got our giants. And I want you to know that God will give you the strength to tackle your mountain and to slay your giants. We got mountains and giants, brother. All of us got mountains and giants. Some of us, man, got mountains that we are claiming for the Lord to take. You've got a mountain that you're hoping that God will open a door for. Caleb says, give me the mountain. I'll slay the giant. In these days of COVID, we're struggling right now. And somebody's like, Caleb, you're trying to claim that mountain or climb that mountain of joy. But right now, you've got to slay that giant called despair. Climb that mountain of healing because you need to slave that giant called sickness somebody's trying to climb that mountain called peace because you've got to slave that giant called chaos and drama there's somebody who's asking the lord i need to climb that mountain of financial freedom and slave that giant called debt i've got to climb that mountain called success because i'm tired of that giant called failure give me the mountain and i'll slay the giant that's the supernatural in caleb's story right there caleb says listen i'm going to be the natural. I'm going to climb the mountain, give it to me, claim it, I'll climb it, and I'll slay it because God is still with me there. My brothers and sisters, if you're still willing, if you're still willing to climb the mountain, God is still able. And God is still able to give you exactly what he promised you. And it's not too late. I don't care about your age. I don't care about what you've experienced. I don't care about your pains. I don't care about your history. And here's the thing. Neither does God. God never called us to sit still and give up. God called you to live into the purpose whereby he called you and he wants you to walk into. It is not too late for you. Somebody, you feel like, man, I've missed my opportunity. I've missed my chance. I missed God's will. I've missed my purpose. Baby, you haven't missed a thing. Because as long as there's still breath in your body, it's not too late. If you're still willing, God is still able. If you're still willing to trust him, God is still able. If you're still willing to climb the mountain, God will give you victory. It's not too late for you. It doesn't matter who's gone before you. It doesn't matter if you feel like things have skipped over you. Perhaps God's wanting to use you as a testimony to change some things, not only in your life, but in other people's lives. It's not too late. God still can. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask for or even imagine. That means that you too 
So song that says, even me, even me, oh Lord. Yeah. And the Lord sees you. The Lord hasn't given up on you. The Lord doesn't want you to lay it down. The Lord doesn't want you to quit. God wants you, as long as you've got breath in your body, God wants you to keep trying and keep passionately pursuing him. And if you remain consistent, and if you're ruled by your convictions rather than your conditions, and if you be refreshed by your, be courageous. I know it's fearful going out there. I know it's fearful stepping out into the deep. Well, we serve a God that even if you fall, he's gracious enough to lift you back up. It's not too late for you. It's not too late. Don't give up. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now that for my sister, my brother, God, who may be listening today, who just might have believed the lie from the enemy that it's too late for them. I pray, God, that they hear you. And that not, not next week, not next month, not even tomorrow, but right now, they determine in their hearts that I'm going to move forward trusting that the Lord, he will move. And he will do exactly what I need him to do. It's not too late. God, you're able. And Holy Spirit, give us the strength to be willing. We love you, God, and we thank you. And it's in your name we do pray. Let every heart say amen. 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 amen.